Fellas, is your beard on swole and you're looking for products to help maintain it? Or are you just starting your beard journey? Either way, check out The Trap Crate at www.trapcrate.com. Again, www.trapcrate.com. There you'll find beard products and natural soaps. So again, thetrapcrate.com, www.trapcrate.com. Testing, testing, black man renaissance. This is black man renaissance. Welcome to a, an, another episode of Black Man Renaissance, man. So I think this is like the third, the third episode of this year. Um, so I'm glad to introduce this guy coming up, um, an independent filmmaker. Uh, the, I guess the next wave of content creators. Um, very, 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 uh, very, very talented guy. Um, Francie, Francie, right? Francie. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. You said it right on on the money. You said it the yeah, way I like listen. it to be said. I had to say it the Haitian way. That's the, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's the best way. Everyone says Francie, like hey Francie, and that sounds mad like fancy, like ah son. I like France, Francie, one Z. That that you know what I'm saying? It's not like a man, like Fonzie. yo, what's up? yeah. Fancy, you got to put some saucepois on it, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, saucepois, man. Legging, yeah, bro. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool, man. Yo, so how are you, man? Oh, man, uh, doing good. Yo, thank you, man, for having me. It's an honor to be on this. You said third episode. Wow, that's that's yeah. awesome, man. And I like the title, Black Renaissance. That's so intelligent. I love that, man. I. I feel great about that because I do consider myself a Renaissance man. Um, mm. Because I, I, I'm heavily influenced by the likes of you know uh, people like Donald Glover, um, Andre Three Thousand, and you know those type of individuals. You know, and people back in the Rat Pack days and stuff like that. So yeah, man, I, I I'm honored to be a part of this, bro. And uh, but to simplify the answer, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you, my dude? How are you doing? Yo, I'm doing great. I'm I'm glad you brought up Donald Donald Glover because um when I was watching What's More Important, I got a lot of Atlanta vibes. Yes. Yes. And you know what's crazy? A lot of people are like, yo, uh, don't you feel kind of um I guess I'm the words not disrespected, but they're like, yo, don't you feel kind of weird being like compared to Atlanta? I'm like, no. That's like one of the greatest shows ever. Of course I would love to be compared to that. Oh, so you get those comparisons all the I time. Get the, I've gotten the comparison before. I remember um, we had gotten our promo in the shade room. And I remember like the comments were like, yo, this is like Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. And I was like, that's great. Because essentially what I wanted to do and what I liked what Atlanta did was I feel like it gave a different lens to the black uh, life. With Atlanta, essentially, you would have gotten something a little bit somewhat like, and this is not a knock on the show, um, Insecure. Insecure is an amazing show, by the way. 
Shout out to the writers. Issa Rae, love her. Um, but essentially, a show like that, I feel like, would is like a, uh, it's similar to like Awkward Black Girl, kind of like those shows that do kind of uh, switch up the narrative a little bit. But at the same time, it still embodies somewhat of a, you know, that sitcom like the Blackish is Blackish and uh, Martin, things of that nature. Maybe a little stereotypical. Bit. I don't want to say stereotypical, but it still is sort of like I want to say it's attached to the 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 I, I guess normalized uh, black narrative. You know, it's about love, Touché. black couple love, and which is fine, and I'm totally with that. But when you look at Atlanta, it takes a different scope entirely. Like it gives you a, a different viewpoint on, for one, uh, like the episode with Teddy Perkins. Come on, man, come on. That's that's yeah. incredible. You know what I'm saying? The Teddy Perkins episode. I mean, there's an episode, the FUBU episode. Those those things touch on different kinds of what I would say black narratives that don't essentially have to um, attach itself to the typical black love narrative and things of things that we kind of, you know, like what I what I did, what I like what Donald did was he just took a fresh take on what I feel like black people have been talking about. And I'm talking about different kinds of black folk, not just your typical black person. Like I feel like the, um, the constant um, advertisement of black people are, Hey, look at this guy from the hood. Look at this, this, this girl. Uh, and like Issa Rae, shout out to her. She brought out awkward black girl. And there were, there were um, black people, black female comedians who were already doing that initially. Uh, but when Issa Rae did that, she did bring a new lens and Issa Rae herself is a fan of Donald. So I think she understood the idea of sort of like this, a different type of black, a new black, not the, not the typical black that has been, you know, Hollywood's kind of like, um, crutch. Like they just been like, Oh yeah, let's throw this slapstick comedy, like the big old googly eyes and, minstrel show type of black comedy whereas they were like hey we can tap into the awkwardness we could tap into the larry david uh curb your enthusiasm seinfeld very witty type of comedy witty black comedy and i think what happened is uh i've essentially knew donald was already going that lane just by what he wrote on 30 rock but when Issa brought it together with Awkward Black Girl, I think it was a, a fresh new take because it was the first time they saw a black woman's uh, take on the awkwardness and that different type of black woman. Because I feel like the black woman was always this uh, edgy, sassy black female, whereas like she took a different take. And what I like, what what in turn happened at that time was a black renaissance, I feel. And when that black renaissance came, Donald, I feel like, was, I, I feel like when Donald came, it was sort of like, you know how there's this trope right now that's happening with the police brutality and stuff like that. I feel like right now, and this is sad to say this, but people are beginning to become desensitized by that narrative. And I, and I hope to that to never happen. But because of that, I feel deeply when it comes to like stuff like insecure, uh, uh, just just like blackish everything. 
I feel like they tack onto those tropes very, uh, very hardcore, and they do the narrative and they do it beautifully. But when Donald attacks it, he attacks it in such a way where you can't help but be like, whoa. Like the second episode of the first season of Atlanta is incredibly dope. And it touches on every single aspect, whether it's the the prison system for blacks, uh, police brutality, black mental illness, uh, uh, um, yeah, black mental health, uh, mental illness, everything literally it tackles every single one of those things those subject matters in one episode so geniusly so shout out to uh stephen glover donald glover's brother he wrote that episode and wow. to me i was i was so like blown away by how they could do something like that and they don't have to attach the those tropes like oh black love and everything like that but they just took a regular black story and they said hey look this happens you know and we're gonna show this and because we feel like and you know that room that atlanta writing room is black people you know what i'm saying so they're like yeah we're not gonna let hollywood tell our story and usually when hollywood tells a story they're like well you know you gotta attach something to it you know make it this make the white people understand what you're doing what's going on there's no black love and there's no trauma how can the white people blah, blah 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 right and they're like nah man like we're gonna write our stories and when they did it and i watched it i said yes yes because they did it the way that they wanted to do it and i me i feel like that's one of the greatest shows ever that's one of the greatest shows i've ever seen in my life and i do like dave as well i think dave takes a different look into that whole world and you know, because I'm a big hip hop fan, I think that's also another reason. So that might be a bias, but Issa Rae raps in um, Insecure and Awkward Black Girl. And I think that's genius when she does that. So that's, again, like I said, that's nothing to take away from Issa because I think she's extremely incredibly gifted. In fact, I would love to be a part of her little uh, conglomerate of writers and everything like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I feel like Donald is is just so um, on another level, man. He's so ahead of his time. Him and that, his whole team, him, Stephen Glover, you know, Ibra, um, uh, Famuel, like that whole team, that royalty team that he surrounds himself with. They're they're, they're geniuses. They have they have very progressive conversations. That's why I I, I dig um, every time I see. Um, Atlanta. I, I just love it. I can't every time it drops and I rewatch the episodes like religiously. It just learning new things all the time. So yeah. I think it's just creatively genius, everything. So yeah, that's long answer. <laughs> Short yeah, I answer, mean, um I love it. Th- th- there was this documentary that came back that came out back in the eighties, uh called Black Hollywood. I don't I'm not sure if you saw it. But it, it touched on just the history of black films in Hollywood and how historically, you know, our narratives were told by through somebody else's lenses. Yep. Right. And then, you know, certain certain projects wouldn't get greenlit unless, you know, it had it had this element or that element. You know, and I feel like now with the advent of, you know, the internet, you know, look how awkward awkward black girl took off. You know, you're able to look at what look at what's more important. You're just you're able to tell your story 
and put it out and have and, and it's straight to consumer direct to consumer so yeah. you don't have to worry you don't have to worry about this person you know what i'm a, i'm a stakeholder in this so i get to tell you what i want you know what i'm saying so it's like you get to just be 100 percent you and i think that's that's what it is now i think hollywood's taking taking notice that you know what you know francie francie knows what he's doing and he has an audience so let's not let's not try to tell him how to tell his story let him tell his story because he has his audience and hopefully yeah. we can put our money behind it and get everybody else to love it yeah hey man thank you first of all thank you for watching what's more important thank you for you know just like you know diving into that show man i i it's funny because the influences for that show were atlanta obviously uh mr robot and boy meets world and those are like kind of the three shows i kind of packed in to morph it into what i always wanted to pretty much talk as an autobiography um of just things that i have gone through like each and every episode is sort of something that i've done that i've been a part of have um experienced and some some of it obviously is maybe hyper realized like realism i mean it might be hyper realism but uh for the most part all of it is true i mean even like the thing with the gun and like i don't know if you saw the episode but yeah so that yeah guy and he's talking about the knife like all that's happened you know and um i feel like uh when, when I saw, well, initially what really inspired me wasn't Atlanta at first. It was uh, Donald Glover's clapping for the wrong reasons. The way he shot that and the way he did that, I thought was very just so, so I, I feel like that was so innovative. Him and his uh, cinematographer, director, I really liked what they did. And then I would like very, I would coerce myself into watching like Mr. Robot and I find myself loving like the cinematography and just the storyline and how you follow this character um, in his mind. And essentially that's how I, I, I kind of came up with the idea of like the what's more important, like he questions like things. And he's like going through this, uh, you know, it's essentially what the story is, is a kid fresh out of college and he's trying to navigate himself through adulthood, right? And to do right. that, he constantly asks this one question every time he is presented with uh difficult decisions or scenarios what's more important right so he's like so i i, I kind of wanted to play with that throughout the show right have like the little question like you know what i'm talking about like right right it's like a break there's like the questions and you know and it's it's, it's sort of like for the audience members to know that it's sort of like i'm bringing you into this world of like you even asking your own self understanding where his mind is at yeah did you did you have a particular audience in mind when you created that i really i honestly i want to say i i was really trying to okay the the first first i wanted to i really wanted to touch the hearts of of black Americans like that was like specifically Haitians that was number one and when I say Haitians I mean I don't know if I should say first generation or second generation but the Haitians who were who came here and the Haitians who were born here I wanted right. to really show this story of a very smart intelligent kid 
and how there's this, you know, that Caribbean thing, the parents, they want you to, you know, become the doctor, the lawyer, the lawyer yeah, yeah, the, you yeah, know, yeah. and um, it's like this, uh, it's like that American dream uh, aspect where it's like kind of thrusted on you and it's a standard that you're, you're kind of coerced into living into where we now have been in America and we realize that the American dream is not that because the times have changed. Obviously you get a bachelor's degree. Now it's, it's not considered anything, you know, (laughs) and unless you have experience and you have to know people, it's like every, the trajectory of everything has just completely flipped. And I think because, um, because of that futility in the American dream where our parents came here and they they adopted that whole like, hey, go to college, you know, get this, get the degree and boom, boom, boom. I think we kind of live underneath that umbrella of living towards this idea of success and that narrative of, of success and while trying right. to find and navigate through what we know is not the truth and right. um, finding our own truths. And essentially, that is the the whole entire show. That's the whole entire narrative of us, you know, right. us black. First of all, black people. Uh, secondly, Haitians. Haitians. That's number right. one. If we <laughs> we have to know how to find our 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 success first, it's all about survival with our parents like they're like yo you need a house you need this you need this and all of those things are synonymous to debt right so right right <laughs> it's it's yeah. like well what do you do like uh, are wh- where do you find your happiness and you know our parents aren't really about that they're not about like oh yeah be happy they're like no eat live uh eat, survive. uh go to church <laughs> right Make right sure right, right all those things uh your happiness what what is that so it's like you now you now we've developed this sort of consciousness um as haitians we've learned about even having pride in ourselves because back then you are like there's on on the second season i'm gonna talk about how when haitians were here during like the early 90s and the 80s how it was terrible for us it was like we would be uh bashed We, we were like uh like there was a lot of prejudice against us like we we were um hated man we and for no reason but the, for the simple fact that we were haitian and people had this perception of us and the story right. that I, I, my mom has told me my 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 older brothers everything they've told me and even what i've experienced myself growing up you know what i'm saying i'm like whoa no one knows this really no one right. knows this like I don't know how it was like in places like New York and other places where a lot of Haitians were, but I know in Miami, oh man, it was tough. Uh, they had a lot of stuff. They had crack a day. They had, you know, uh, find the Haitian, beat them up, you know, all these things. And we had to like survive that. And so now just, I think when we crossed, we crossed over that threshold of like 1999, going into 2000s i think there was like this pride to be haitian it was bigger because now we learned we adopted that same mentality 
1804 days and was mm-hmm. like, no, nah, we're going to fight back. Right? Right. And we're going to uh, be proud of who we are. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that it took that 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 era for us to really truly be proud of who we are and like and it's sad to say but a lot of black americans at the time and this is coming from the lens of what i grew up with um they weren't really accepting of us but when that era came zoe pound and all that stuff it changed they began to love us we were very prideful and then we took in consideration are, are uh, a lot of people already, and this is not to denounce people who are already very proud to be Haitian, but then there was mm-hmm. like this, I, I don't want to say diaspora, but there was just like sort of uh, this area of Haitian where it was like they were kind of afraid to really adopt the idea up until the point where it was very like popular to be Haitian. Even right. Black Americans wanted to be Haitian. And so mm-hmm. it was a great thing. And because we sort of gained this consciousness, we understood how smart we were. We understood how talented we were, how intelligent we were, everything. We started crafting our minds to understand like, oh yeah, we are, we're dope. Like we do a lot of dope stuff. Uh, we've been dope. We've been a part of so many things. And there's so many, there's so much of our history that's not even discussed. That's why and what's more important, not mention the whole thing about the Haitian finding Chicago. Not too many people knew about that. Right, right, right. See what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, let me. Uh, that was my that was my favorite episode, by the way. That, that yeah, thank you. <laughs> did you, you did you you wrote that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bus stop scene was my absolute fucking yeah. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, you know what? That character was based on an actual interaction. That I, I'm telling you, all these things were real. No way. That was an actual interaction from a guy from Chicago. From a guy from Chicago. And I had Yeezys on. And he was like, <laughs> Yeezys? So it was so amazing. I was like, yo, I got to write about this. Because the whole time, he was just so fascinated with what I had. And we went down like this rabbit hole of Chicago. And he was just talking. But the beautiful thing about that character was he was so prideful and happy Whereas the the main character wasn't, and I think throughout the throughout the show, it was trying to show like the, this um, juxtaposition of of this person who's trying to find his truth, while this person already was like knee deep into like, oh yeah, this is who I am, and that right. was that was supposed to show that, and I love that. I love I, everyone loves that. So I'm like, yeah, those people, you need them. You need those Yo, people. Listen, listen. You got to bring him back, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Shout out to him, man. That's Isaac Beverly. Um, yeah. He plays uh, Wally. Yeah. Everybody who watches episode one, you'll see. It's the bus stop scene. It's, it's, it's yo, great. You got, you got to bring his character back. Yo, that yeah. guy's, yo, and he... Yo, he's um that he's a very he was like he's very committed to that role, man. He he was very committed. You should have seen him when he came like the day of. He, he at first he was just kind of like chilling, and I was like, you can't be that way. You have to go all out. Like you have to be right. like, yo. And he was and he committed to it. He did such a great job. Once he understood what the character was, he was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm going in. And people love it, man. Because I was like, you got to bring that energy, bro. You have to. That's what people love. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 when it comes to acting, um, 
you know, like, how do you like your your characters to be? Is, do you is it, is it method acting or or what? I I'm I'm very much so. Well, I guess you could say it's method, but I really like when my um, characters are very natural. I, I like them to just be, you know. And I've seen everyone who I've cast. I've kind of seen them in that space where they uh in part of my eyes because i'm i'm trying to make sure like i'm not messing up like here <laughs> like I'm yeah no you're good you're good you're good you're good yeah yeah because i don't want to be people be like yo what's up with this dude like yeah you know, <laughs> right. but um i um i, I always I always make sure that um uh, it's it's just natural man 100 natural i want the reactions to be natural i want the the characters to just be i don't even want them to act sometimes and usually when I cast these characters, I really like look at them in normal situations and scenarios and see how far they can take themselves, like how high energy they could take themselves, take themselves, how low energy they can take themselves, how assertive they can be, how very like reserved they can be. And so when I notice these characteristics, I say, oh, let me accentuate that when we get into it. So I just fine tune what they already have. And once they get on set, I'm like, I'm like, don't even like these lines are here, but they're really just a guide. I want you to take this and amplify. And that's really what I do. So I try to I, as a director, what I do the most. Is I try to make sure I I can not control, but I, I kind of uh, create this atmosphere. If I don't create the atmosphere, I feel like. It's, it's not going to bring out the best in the acting and in the characters or the individuals. I feel like the individuals aren't going to believe in, in it. But when I set that atmosphere, when I make them believe, hey, this is who you are, like this, this person is just another personality of you, but amplified. And that's your character. That's it. Like, it's not even where you have to become an entirely new person, but it's sort of like a split personality that's already been inside of you and what I see uh, personally. And so they're able to bring that out every time they, um, uh, yeah, every every time I direct them. So yeah, that's how I do it with the acting. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's, let's, let's take it back, like your, your, your journey. Uh, so, where did you find the love like when did you realize hey you know what i have a thing for for filmmaking you know when it was it was um i was in third grade i was in third grade the mummy just came out that's how old i am i was in third grade and the mummy with uh brendan frazier just came out and i wanted to see it so bad and i was with my my one of my best friends his name is johnson and you know, I I live in a I'm young living in the Haitian household. They're like, no, you can't go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Never go to the movies. Never. It's Legley's, Lakai, Lekole, and that's it, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. um, I'm like, dang man, I really want to see this movie. My friend, my best friend Johnson, he uh, his brother, his older brother, always went to the movies. And so his, I remember one day in school. I was like, damn, I really want to see that movie. He's like, oh, I'm going to see it this Friday. Uh, this Friday. I'm like, you going to see it, man? He's like, if you want to, you could come. 
I'm like, they're never going to let me go. He's like, all right, I'm going to let my parents, I'm going to ask my brother, and then your brother, you ask your parents, and then let them meet and talk to each other. <laughs> so we had to do a whole exchange. Like, yeah, I had to tell my parents, oh, talk to him. And then they had to meet each other and shake hands on it, sign a treaty, everything. Like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And so yeah. we, as soon as that all happened, and he was like, yeah, you can go. He's like, make sure you have him back by like eight. No, not eight. Uh, I want to say 9.30 or 10. Right. I'm like, are you serious? So I'm geeked out. I'm I'm like excited to see this joint just because the trailer just had me like, whoa, like this is dope. And so I, I, I've never gone to the movies in my life at that point. Never. I just watched mm-hmm. them and I was like, all right, this is cool. I was already into movies. Like, I always miss Jurassic Park because they used to show it on NBC on Sundays, but we would always go go to church on Sundays. So I always missed it. <laughs> I was hot. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. So I never yeah. got a chance to see Jurassic Park until I was probably 18. So wow. when, yeah, man, that's how it that's how it was. This, you know what I'm talking about. That yeah, yeah, I know. I know. don't play. <laughs> so I so it's I'm in third grade. I'm about to go see the mummy. I'm going with my friend and his and his brother, his older brother. We go over there. Man, we go to the movies, man. And man, we walk up in there. Bro, that smell of popcorn and the air. I'm just like, what? Like it to me, you understand, I'm in third grade. I'm eight years old. I've never been to the theater. I've never really gone anywhere except the three places. <laughs> that are yeah. the Haitian standard. And so I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm I'm like, ooh, just watching everybody, all these kids run around, the arcade, everything, the concession. Like, I'm like, what? It was like a whole new world. So I'm just standing there. I'm mad nervous. I'm like, this place is huge, everything. And he's like, you want some popcorn? I'm like, what? I could get that too? Yeah. Like, I'm... I'm geeked out, bro. I'm like happy yeah. as hell. And this is like an experience. I'm like, wow. Like, and they're like, yeah, get the ticket. Boom. And it's like, here, here's your ticket. I'm looking at the ticket. It says the mummy and the smell of pop. Everything is just like, what? Like, it's just magical. And we step into the theater. That movie starts, bro. I sit. I'm so I'm I'm so into it. I'm like eating up the popcorn and I'm I'm finishing it so fast to the point where at the end of the movie I was chewing on my shirt. That's how much I was like <laughs> I was just like what? I was watching the film, dude, and my dude, I was blown away. I was so blown away like that night I came back home all I could do is think about that film. All I could do is think about how they did, why, how did they do all of that? What, what was done? Like, I was like so fascinated. I had a big crush on Rachel Wise. I was like, damn, she fine. Uh, and I, 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 and Brendan Fraser was the man to me. I was like, this dude is dope. I felt like that movie had action, adventure, comedy. It had all these elements like horror low-key and it just had everything 
And I was so blown away and fascinated that night. It just changed everything for me. And I said, dog, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to okay, be a so, filmmaker. So, so, so that, was the, that, was the, that was the genesis. That was the okay, genesis. So, so from that point on, what was, what was the next thing? When, when's the first time you picked up the camera? The first time I picked up the camera is another story. I know it's a lot of stories, but it's another story. That's what we're uh, here for. So my my uh, a friend of the family's, his name is Donald Fontaine. He was going to college at the time, and he was taking uh, film production, TV production, one of them. And he had to do a, a thesis film or something like that, um, or like uh, I forget. He had to do a film project. So the school uh, lended him a camera, and uh, he told me, hey, hey, I know you're into film and everything. If you want to, you can come over to my crib and, you know, help me out a little bit. I was like, bet. I go over there. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm 15 now. This, he's like, I want to say 20, 21. So I go over to his house. I'm already familiar with his family. Like, we cool. Everybody's cool. And um, while we're there... He's like filming, he's doing his thing. And while he's doing his thing, every time it goes on break, I sneak and look at the camera. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like low key playing around with it. And this is all one of the back in the day joints, right? This is like still like, you had to put the video cassette joint in it, like that, it was not a digital joint. So okay. you guys are blessed, <laughs> everyone's blessed now. <laughs> but it was like, boom, popped it in. I'm recording, playing back, doing all that stuff, playing around with it. Every time he hops back in, I'm like, I go back, go back to my corner, just to you know whatever. And he had, we did this for three days, and so I think it was the third day of the set, and he, I, I saw his movie. I was, I was looking at his movie, and I was like, I was like, dang man, I have, a, I have something. I want to do it. So I asked him like during a long lunch. I said, hey, can I borrow the camera real quick? I swear it'll be real fast. And he's like, what you gonna do? I said, well, I'm just gonna go around and shoot some stuff and I'm I'm gonna have my own tape, everything. So I went and bought a tape right on the spot, came back and he was like, all right, sure. Just don't record on my tape. I'm like, cool. Boom, pop my little joint in. I snatched my little brother, his little brother, and their cousin and just on the spot i was like all right you and you bump into each other you you're gonna have a picture of a girl in your backpack and then he's gonna take it he's gonna think you stealing his girl i'm just coming up with stuff impromptu and i just start filming go boom 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 i do all this and as i'm doing it i'm like picturing every single like shot you take in my mind and them acting and I cut it up and I'm like, cool, I have it. Well, I, I don't I don't edit it yet. So I, I take the tape, boom, I got all the clips, boom. He gets his camera back and he, he goes off and does this thing. We end, we end that production. I go back home and I got the little tape. So I'm in the, I'm, this is back in the day when, you know, Haitians used to have the VCRs. You couldn't, and they had a whole bunch of tapes like, 
you know, recorded church uh, sermons right. and everything like that. So I, I, I did the mistake of <laughs> recording over one of the church sermons. I got in big trouble for that. But I wanted to make the movie so bad. So I got the little tape. And while I had the little tape, because we had like that VCR, that very like, you could put the little tape in, the big joint, everything. It was like, we thought at the time, it was like, yo, technology. And now it's like obsolete. So we we put it, put I put the, the big tape in, the little tape in. And every time I would play the little tape, I would record on the big tape and cut. And that's how we used to edit back in the day. That's how wow. we have to do it. So I was doing that. I would spend hours just doing that. I finally finished it and I was so excited. I was like, I gotta show, I gotta show people. I started showing a little brother, my friends, and everybody was like, yo, that's good. Like they're laughing, they're enjoying it. And I just remember I was like, what? They like this? And it was making me happy because I obviously I like it. But just to see other people's reaction, I'm like, yo, that's dope. And then the guy, the Donald, the person who let me borrow the camera, the one who was doing the film, uh, the, the project, he goes and um, he shows me his film. And then I play my film. And he tells me, whoa, that was better than mine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's like, yo, can I show my class this? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And he shows his college course, his college class, the video that I did. And that made me at that point say, oh, man, I got to do this. Like, I really got to do this. So, yeah, that was that was that's the story of when I first picked up the camera. That was the first time I've ever picked up the camera. First time. Do you still have that? Do I still have the video? I have to go back to my old old home. And check. I don't know if my mom probably threw it away. She probably threw it away or recorded a church session <laughs> over <laughs> it. was such a classic video, man. It was so cool. I would have to go way, like, I'd have to dig in the crates, man. I'd have to go all the way back. But if you ask any of my friends, my old friends, they'll tell you, like, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the first time. 15, man. I think that was, like, 2003. 2002, either 2002 or 2003. It was a while ago, man. Analog, right? That's crazy. Yeah, analog. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Not wow. digital at all. Oh my <laughs> gosh. When digital came out, I was like, whoo. Yeah. But yeah. So when digital came out, what's what, what did you do? Okay. When digital came out, I quickly hopped on, like, I, like, uh, it was my boy Brian. He had a uh, well. First, I I got digital when I went to Best Buy and I just picked up a a Sony CyberShot, like quick. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna just get this joint. And I was editing on like Movie Maker, like Windows Movie Maker and everything. That's back when I used to do like small little skits and stuff like that. I wasn't going into film heavy yet, but I that's the first time I got like a digital camera it was a sony cyber shot and then i met my boy brian and he um he was shooting like little skateboard videos with his homeboys and he would shoot with the canon so he would shoot with the canon 5d and 
you know, those cameras. And I was like, yo, I got to have that. So he put me up on game, and that's when I got into the whole spiel, like the interchangeable lenses. I started learning about every camera, the Sony, the Red, everything. I was just like, okay, I'm going to just learn all this. And that's how that ended up becoming like this now. <laughs> like, I, I, when that happened, I just did not look back. I just kept going and going. I was like, let me learn. Let me learn as much as I can. Let me learn as much as I can. Because I didn't have the money to really go to film school. Um, I didn't go to film school. I never went to film school. And I, even though I tried to hit, I, I tried to get into, um, what is it, uh, FSU for film. And then it wasn't, they didn't, they didn't have no room for me. So I was like, okay, let me figure something out. What I did was, I, I uh, my boy Joe Terman. I have to give a shout out to him. I remember when me, me and Joe Terman we used to like rap, and we used to come up with like these very interesting concepts for the videos. And when we would come up with the concepts, he was very much so into films, into like No Country for Old Men, you know, but like a lot of Cohen brother films. And he got me into it a lot, like the writing and everything. And he would tell me about like books that he would uh check out on screenwriting screenplays and everything and i was like that's what i'm gonna do and so when i saw him doing it, he was already gifted with his writing he knew i wrote he knew i wrote he knew i wrote poems and i would write little stories so he's like oh you should pick up these books man and so what i did was i knew i couldn't go to school and so i i just said all right let me just pick up these books from the library Learn how to screenwrite, screenplay. I learned so much, dude. Like I, I would constantly go back, 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 and back and forth from my house to the library, learning every single thing. I would check out every book on film, period. And that yeah. that was that was the birth of everything. That was like the all right. Let me teach myself. At that point, I wanted to be like Nas, like when he dropped out. At, at what was it like 14 or something and he just started reading and like teaching himself that's what i wanted to do because I, I was like i know i'm not gonna i know i'm not gonna go to film school i'm not gonna have like the funds or anything so let me utilize all the resources i have around me right now and that was reading text on every single aspect of film and doing the editing and the shooting and all that by myself however i could get the funds however i could get the resources and hitting up other filmmakers that i was slowly growing like this big network of and um i would connect with all of them and i was like hey uh i'll come through i'll help out with whatever you need and i was learning every single aspect every day and that that was that's the that's I, I told you a lot, but once I went digital, that's what happened. That changed everything. So now you've gone digital. You 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 got the Canon 5D. Yeah. You you've learned about the Sony Red and all these cameras. You read up on screenwriting, screenplays, and everything. Yeah. Now you've attained all the you've attained all this knowledge. What's the first project that? the new and improved front seat develops 
Oh man. It was a project called If Love Lost. Ill. It was called Ill. If Love Lost. I wrote it was a short film. Um <laughs> this film, the reason why I'm like kind of like yo, because that film was very dark. And I, I wanted it to be dark because I wanted people to take me seriously. So I was I, I didn't because before then I would just make skits, comedy and everything like that. And so I was like, in order for me to be like taken seriously as a filmmaker, I got to make the story very serious, like very heavy. And I ended up being very heavy. It was about a girl. It was about a guy and a girl who grew up together. But then the guy had to move away because his parents got killed. He had to live with his cousin who became a drug addict. And the girl, while he was away, the girl ended up getting raped and she got AIDS and they met each other when they grew up. And she she said that she was getting well, she was she was pregnant by one of the, you know, and um she wanted him to be the father of the baby and he had to make a choice and decision whether or not he would want to or not want to. And that was the movie. It was heavy. I, it was heavy. I was like, I well, I wanted to at the time I wanted to do a piece about awareness. So I wanted to do something on AIDS, right? That was that was my thing. Because a lot of my films, I, I I love for them to have messages. I'm big on that. I was big on that then. I'm very big on that now. But um, that was the idea. And <laughs> when I did it, I just didn't know how dark I was going to go. It was very dark. I was like, oh, man. Yo, I wrote this. And so it, it was, and the movie was actually, you know, other people's words they really enjoyed it and everything like that but um yeah that was my very first film it was i dropped it i did that in 2010 2010 and um i dropped it 2011 and i played it at a local theater in homestead in in 2011 it starred uh, one um an actor a friend of mine his name is jj uh henry and he was great in it. He was the one who played the addict. And um, yeah, it was it was it was an experience, man. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a whole lot. But it was my first time actually doing a film that I was like serious about and dedicated about. And from there, it just I was just like, I want to be everything I do. I want it to be better than the last. And that 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 was the beginning. But I don't have that film anymore. I had it on Vimeo. And I would watch it, and then I accidentally deleted it. I know people are gonna be like, "How'd you accidentally delete it?" I swear, like, I was on there, and I I was just trying to update my profile, and for some reason, while I'm editing, I'm trying to like, you know what? Let me update the the uh, the synopsis. I'm updating, and then I I'm like, all right, click, and it just deletes. I'm like, no, because I don't have any. I don't know anywhere else. I, I didn't keep it anywhere else. I didn't keep it anywhere else except for Vimeo. I don't have, there's my friends, like I would, again, that's another thing I would have to go back to my old home and dig in the crates and look for it. Cause I remember we made like DVD copies. Look at that, DVDs. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I, I made DVD copies, and I, I'll have to look for that. But that's how long ago that was. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was the first thing. I don't have that. The only thing I have that I've done, like, way, way back, the very first thing I've done before I even shot that film, because that was my first ever movie, is on YouTube. It's called Concrete Creatures. Yeah. I don't even want to show anyone that, <laughs> that one. Oh, this man. is my very first beginning, beginning, first time ever, ever touching. That was my Sony Cybershot. I okay. shot that on Sony Cybershot. That was way back then. That was like 2000. I, I shot that 2008. I put it on YouTube 2009. This was back when YouTube was starting. And um, yeah. So yeah, well, please, bro, please please tell me please tell me you back up everything everything now you got a you got a hard I drive back up everything or... now yeah yeah, okay, yeah yeah because of that heck yeah like I I really I was so disappointed because I'm like there's so many things I wanted to show people like yo y'all y'all don't know like I had to start off with this and this, I'm like this, damn I this, can't this, really... there's something I like about you because I was I was watching one of your episodes of. I think it was the gun episode. Yeah. And there I guess during the editing process with the audio there was there was a little Oh yeah. right? And yep. you had the you had the you had the uh the captions. And then I see, I saw that you re, re-uploaded it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. caught that. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I, I I got a notification and I was like, "No, I already saw this." So I I was like, "Let me watch this again." And I was like, yo, he fixed that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I fixed it because the original, and you saw what, what was the original. Like, there was right. an opening. There was an opening that I couldn't do but for the one that was uploaded before because the audio was just so bad. Right. And I, I made a promise to myself, like, yo, um, I'm going to revamp these if I once I get the right equipment, once I get everyone again. And, even if we have to do ADR, I don't. I don't care. I want people to know what was said, what this episode truly was. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo, uh, as soon as I get a chance, I'm revamping it because I want people to see what I what really everything. I want people to see every single thing. So thank you, right? Thank you. Yeah, I'm very big on that now. Like, if I could, I would revamp everything. <laughs> if I really could, <laughs> I really would, man. But. Uh, I, no, I, but you know what you know what it is. It's like you have to be grateful of those imperfections, right? Because over yeah. time, over time, you get to look back and be like, "Damn, like wow, I've I've come a long way." So you you get to yeah. you get to appreciate the journey. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right, I, right, I, man. I, I appreciate the entire thing. I'm sorry if I spoke a lot, by the way, man. No, man, listen, yeah, you, man. this is a podcast. You talk, you, man. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> these stories, bro, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. So so now, um, what's your first foray into, like, the the film festival world? Okay. Uh, oh, so I, right after I did Ill, I was like, oh, let me just go for the shooting a feature, which was a big like feat. Like I, I, I took that on, and I was like, 
man, this is way crazier than I expected. And um, I did a film called 5417. And it was, it's uh, based on the Bible verse, the Isaiah 5417, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, which is crazy because like the person that inspired that verse for, for me is such a weird person to get in, inspired from. And I know at this point you're like, now you gotta tell me who you, who inspired it. But <laughs> I, yeah. dude, this is so weird for me to say this, but and I don't, but I, and I know people can be like, what? One day I was watching 106 and Park. Oh my gosh, that you know how old that show is. I was watching right. 106, and Nicki Minaj was on there, and yes, Nicki Minaj was on there, and she said that verse. And I was like, oh, I like that verse so much. I can't believe Nicki Minaj is inspiring me to go into the Bible right now and read that verse thoroughly, like for real, for real. And so after I heard her say that, I I, I went to the Bible and um, I just read that whole entire chapter, like the Isaiah chapter. And I really wanted to know the context of that verse in that whole thing and when i did i was like wow man i really like that and i i this this story is so powerful and i said okay 54 17 that's that's what i'm gonna call this and the film is about a gunsmith who um he kind of ends up finding out that he's like this he's like this bearer of death because he creates the guns, the weapons. It's a young black man. He's a gunsmith. And his mom is telling him, hey, you should probably pick another profession because, you know, don't you want to do right by people? Don't you feel like you're 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 a, a bringer of death by doing this? You're like the middleman. And he's like, no, you know, I need this. We need money. You know, and you remember, like, my dad used to be a gunsmith so it's like an honorable thing for me to be in this job like i feel like i have a purpose here and when he goes through like when he goes uh to like a craft this weapon like a television screen pops up and he's like seeing all these like stories where at the end of the story these kids get murdered and he realizes everyone who's gotten murdered has been a gun that he's crafted a gun that he's wielded and um he uh he suddenly stops and when he stops he realizes that when he stops all the weapons disappear and he 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 realizes his power so it's sort of like a it's almost like a superhero uh origin story kind of and um that, that that that's when I wanted to add like a sci-fi aspect to it, but yeah, it's it's I mean it, it dives into like the whole Trayvon Martin, you know, um, the Sandy Hook, the uh, you know the black people getting killed by the cops, like all that is is sort of like the stories, and he realizes like oh snap I made all these guns, you know, and um, yeah, so that's the movie, that's the that that was the feature. And okay. I sent, that's when I first started getting into festivals. I was like, all right, let me submit this into festivals. That's when Without a Box was popping. It wasn't even Film Freeway at that point. 
Um, and I would submit to like Miami Film Festival and like all these festivals. And there's I, I got denied so many times, <laughs> so many times. But I got accepted into um, International Black Film Festival, which was in Tennessee. And it was cool, man. Like we, we went over there. I never thought I would enjoy Tennessee. But I when we went there, when we went there the first time, I was like, wow, this place is. Dope. Was this Memphis or Nashville? This was Nashville. Okay. It was Nashville. So, yep, country. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so we were there. It was cool, man. It was it was it was cool, man. Listen, what there's stories about that too. Like when we got accepted to International Black Film Festival, and we went to another one, I believe. I'm not sure, but uh, when we went there, dude, we we didn't have nowhere to stay, and we were looking for like hotels to stay at. Although we were still going to like the events, man, we every night we thought we were gonna die. Like somebody was gonna rob us, kill us, do something every night because we would go to the most shady motels i'm talking about we <laughs> there would be like people like <laughs> like shooting up oh, man. they'd be looking at us like do i know you i'm like oh <laughs> like <laughs> something like that so it's like we're we're like bugged out like oh man we gotta we gotta figure out how to survive these these next four days like for this whole entire first of all, that in itself was a whole movie but that's the first time um I experienced festivals, film festivals, ever. That's the first time I really got into that whole world of the festivals. And um, I, I was, I don't know who I was told by, but they were like, yo, you got to submit this to festivals. You have to. And 5417 uh, also stars Jo Marie Payton, for people who don't know who that is, as Harriet Winslow from Family Matters, yeah. or the grandma from- how, how, did, how did you get her into the project? Oh man, that's another story. There's so many yeah. stories. Yes. There was, so you have uh, Harriet Winslow. Harriet Winslow. Harriet Winslow plays in your feature. Yes. Yeah. And I just so people know, the feature, I, I that feature was done between uh, 2000, 2000, either twelve or thirteen to twenty fourteen. 2012 or 2013 to 2014 and we uh started we it was in post-production for at least a good year and then we we started dropping it out in 2016 and um in 2017 between 2017 and 2018 i broke up the feature into uh, uh episodes so it's a series no, no. now how, how how did she how did she get how did you get in touch how did you get well Whose idea was I'm a, it? I'm gonna I'm I'm tell you that right now. Okay, let's get, let's get into it. Yeah. All right. So, the way that I got in touch with uh, Harriet Winslow, uh, yeah. Joe Marie Payton, mm -hmm. I uh, <laughs> okay. So one day, my older brother comes to the crib and he's like, "Yo, there's this like um, convention for like people in media. Like it's gonna be big. Like it's in Overtown. Like you should come through." So I'm like, all right, cool. I wasn't going to go at first, but he was like, just come. Nobody had a car back at that time. And we, it was, this is like, what, 20, I think this was 2012. I didn't have a car. Mm. 
We was riding the bus. We go over there, man, and we go into the convention, and we're, everybody's chilling. It's like packed. The room is packed, packed, packed. And I just remember I was just beginning 5417. Like, I just, I was like probably, I want to say 65% done with the film as far as production. Um, 65 or 55 women. And so we walk into this convention and when we, when we go in there, there's like the, uh, I forget this dude's name, but he was on the Jamie Foxx show. Um, and he's like a producer guy. I, I completely forget his name. I, I, I don't, if I'm probably going to remember it after this whole thing, but he yeah. just know like, he's very big, like in the producer world, he produced real, real, um, real husbands of Hollywood on mm. E2. He's very, he's very big. Um, but he was on the Jamie Foxx show and he's there and they're doing like a Q&A with him. And it's just a bunch of people in the crowd. I'm talking, plus Pierre was there. If you guys don't know who Plus is, right. he used to do the, the yeah, he was there. That's the first time I met him in person. Uh, Wilonius Hatcher was there. It was just mad people. So we're all there chilling, right? Hanging out. And all I know is, there was one instance where I wrote, rose my hand and he, um, he called, he calls out to me and he's like, Hey man. And this time I had a shortcut, like everything. Right. He's like, yo, you look like Dougie fresh. And so everyone's like, yo, you know, I'm like, what? And so everyone laughs. <laughs> it's like a very memorable moment. I'm like, I'm like loving it. I'm like, yo, yo, this man, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then I, I asked my question. He answers, and we're good, right? And then something happens where he's like, like I, I think like maybe 20 minutes go by, and he's like, oh, wait a minute. Is that Joe Marie Payton in the audience? And she's like, it's me, baby. You know, she has the raspy voice. She's yeah. like, yeah, yes, it's me. Man, everyone turns into a groupie so fast. Because she was trying to be incognito, right? And <laughs> Michael Jackson, like, no, like that, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, that's her. Everyone turned into a groupie. Everybody at that point was fanboying, like, ah! like it's it's Harriet Winslow. And um, I think at that point, it, it everything just stopped. Like there were like everyone just was so focused on her. And they stopped, <laughs> they stopped paying attention to the guy. It's like, all right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. So she walks down. And when I say, like, she literally had, like, everyone just, like, create a, a huge uh, circle around her, just a, a herd of people. Everybody's there. And everyone's talking to her one by one. They're trying to get her autograph, everything. It's like big for us. Every it's big for everybody because all of us are '80s kids, '90s kids. You know, we grew up on Family Matters. Like, oh man, and um, I just remember I was in a line and I was I was this I was like, damn, I really want to talk to her. And this lady caught me say that. She goes, "You want to talk to her?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Oh, follow me, follow me, stop being scared." And so she grabs my hand, and I'm waiting like I'm waiting behind like five people. And they're just talking to her, talking to her, talking to her. And as she's 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 like about to talk to me, and she's like, "All right, guys, I gotta go." And she's about to leave, 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna miss my chance completely. And then I'm like, wait, I'm Dougie Fresh. I'm Dougie Fresh. <laughs> and she was like, oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's me. She goes, oh, you know what? Here's my card, baby. Boom, just like that. And then she just disappears and she vanishes. And I'm like, no, like, I'm like, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to her. And I'm like, at this point, I'm thinking, this ain't never gonna work. Like me having a card, she's probably never gonna pick up my number. Man, that I was defeated. We went back, even though I was like, yo, I was happy we was all there. Oh, another person who was there was Edson Jean. I don't know if you know Edson, but he Edson was there Jean. too. He was in that whole circle of people. Uh, he's he's a, a Haitian American filmmaker. He's, he's dope too. We were all we we all went home that day. I saw that card, man, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna call this number. I'm just keep calling and calling and calling and calling and calling, and that's exactly what I did for the next three months. I berated that phone. I said, Miss Winslow, can you? I just want to talk to you. I would email her. I would do all that. While filming, I was just constantly on it. And this was November, I think. So I think it's like February now. And I'm like giving up hope. I'm like, dang, man. We call her one more time. This is three months now. This is like the fourth month. I'm like, oh, man, let me just. So one day, I think I'm asleep. Because my brother used to be on the phone at that time. I, this, was, this was the house phone now. This is the house phone. Yeah. This is 20, oh, it's wow. like 2013. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I had my cell phone, but I was, she never, like, I would call always. I'll call the house, through my house phone, through the cell phone, everything. So she, I think, I think she called my home once. And, you know, my mom. My mom talks on the telephone all the time. So my mom, and I wanted <laughs> I wanted uh, Joe Marie to play my, my mom in the film. So she calls up. She goes, oh, um, can I speak to Francie? And my mom's like, uh, um, keep on side. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I must have called the wrong thing. Just like that. My brother, he looks at the, the caller ID because my brother, he's my older brother, he's crazy like that. He's always talking right, to right. chicks on the phone. So he's always checking the caller ID. He's always on some player stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. it's a number. He calls it and she goes, hello? And he's like, hi, right, um, can I ask who I'm speaking to? She's like, oh, this is Joe Marie Pate. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, I wanted to call because uh, I wanted to talk to Francie. He's like, oh, I'll let him know. I was I was not even there that day. Right. So I come back home. And he's like, "Yo, this is like a day after." He's like, "Oh, you know, um, Joe Marie Payton called you." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, man. Like, call him back. Call him back." I'm like, "Yo, let me." Da -da -da. I call her. I call her. I call her. Nothing. I think it was five days after that. She calls my phone my, my uh, cell phone. I'm looking at it like, is this a joke? Turn it on. 
and I hear her voice. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching the show. And she's like, hey, baby. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, what? how are you doing? Like, I'm just, I'm geeked out. And she's like, um, I'm a very busy woman. You have one minute to tell me exactly what it is that you want, want to tell me. Man, I said, if if there was no, listen, if there was any time that I was prepared, it was that moment. I said everything so fast, so clear, so poignant, where I was like, even I was impressed. I was like, dang, that was good. <laughs> do it, right? film it's a film about faith god it's 54 17. no way before the gifts shall prosper you're gonna say that line you're a monumental character you playing the mom you're the mother of all of us you're a black woman you're the one who uh protects us you don't want to do this you end up saving the day this is the story about trayvon martin telling them the phone stays silent for like a good like five seconds. Oh my gosh. Five seconds with no talking. I'm like, oh, she's gonna hang up. The she's taking like, everything in at this at this time. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's not gonna work. It's it's this is a wrap. Like it's done. And she goes, Honey, I think we were meant to meet each other. Mm. And then when she said that, I was just like, what? Then she goes on to say, I love this story. I think it's dope, it's beautiful, it's powerful. I want to do this. And she goes, I'm going to hook you up with my uh, SAG, it's my SAG lady. And she mm -hmm. goes, make this film SAG, and I will be in your film. Bruh. So I, did, did, you, did you even have your SAG card before that? No. No. So After this, that is, call, this, is how, this is how you attain that. That's how I attained it. When she said that, I was like, oh, oh, heck yeah. I went to them SAG offices so fast. I signed every form. You know, SAG forms are like the Bible. You need to read everything. <laughs> so I said, yeah. man, let me do I did everything. All my research. I paid anything I had to pay off. I said, man, I need, I need you in this. I do not care. When she, uh, we we did everything. We signed off all the papers, everything. When she came that day to film, I gave her the red, like a red carpet treat, like special treatment. Man, I brought my sisters over there to cook her some griot. I brought a makeup <laughs> person to be there for her. Mm -hmm. I hooked her. I was like, you getting treated special today, like everything. I was like, if you ever want to come down for Thanksgiving, just come. Like, we'll we'll feed you. That's how it was. And she loved it. She loved the entire experience. And it was from that day that we became not only, like, did she know me as an actor and filmmaker and everything, but then we became so close to where my even my sister or sometimes she'll just call me up. 
She'd be like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, what? Why are you doing this? Like, yeah. do you know who you are? <laughs> you, yeah. You're not supposed to call me. Right. I'm supposed to call you. So she, she's just a, first first foremost, she is a very wonderful human being. Like, one of the nicest people, kindest people you'll ever is, meet. Is she from Miami? So I think she, um, I don't know if she's from Miami, but she, she has a she had a home in Coral Gables, I think, when she remarried, and she ended yeah. up like adopting this place as her own. I, I think she. Used I remember. To, quick story, yeah. not to cut you off. I remember. No, 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 I've been. I remember going. Now. I remember going to Miami. I went to Miami. I think oh, this is oh seven. I think it was oh seven, two thousand seven. And was it, it was oh seven because Rick Ross's hustling came out that time. So I go out there. I think we went out there for like a family reunion. So uh hold on, I'm 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 getting lost in the story here. Hold on. <laughs> uh hold on. What was, what was your last point? My last point was she she remarried. I think Coral she Gables. Gables. Coral yeah. Gables. Let's take it back. So we're, I'm, yo, I don't know. I'm driving through everywhere. I'm driving through Fort Lauderdale, going to Miramar, Miami Gardens. And for some reason, I went to Coral Gables. And I fell yeah. in love with Coral Gables, man. Yeah. I fell in love with Coral Gables. Yeah. I said, man, I said, when I get my money, like my dream house is probably going to be in Coral Gables. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coral Gables is so nice, man. Me and my girl have been talking about that for a long time now. Coral mm -hmm. Gables yeah mm -hmm. we get a we get a spot we get in there at the gables yeah that's a nice yeah, area. Yeah. that's yeah. that's such a beautiful area but yeah i think she started living there man she started living there i think she was raised a little bit in overtown i'm not sure okay I, we if, if we check out like her history there's some some point where she was uh living in miami and um but she's basically family now yeah pretty much <laughs> she don't even have to listen i told her you don't gotta act for me anymore like right. just for the simple fact that you did that like at that moment i was a no name you know i wasn't anybody and she just believed in the story so much and i was like wow man she came to the premiere i had a premiere at amc she came through she was just amazing man she she was so good like she gave me money to uh help like put it submitted in festivals like that's why when, when i'm telling you man she's she's a very amazing person like when she believes in somebody she believes in them and she really what's the what's the what's the best piece of advice or best pieces of advice you got from her best piece of advice yeah Dang. could be life advice could be uh could be professional I think you know what it is I think it was uh the best advice I got from her I think was when I was I think it was just her actions like when I was performing with her mm -hmm. she's such a seasoned actress like when I performed with her it's like she couldn't make a mistake like even when she 
it seemed like she made a mistake. She didn't make a mistake. Like mm. she was so perfect. And I think the number one thing I learned from her, like for real, for real, was that you have to enjoy what you're doing. Like when whenever she came, she didn't make it feel like work. She was always like, she would tell us stories. She'd be like, hey, how y'all doing? Like, boom. Like, she'd always make the atmosphere very home, home, just wholesome and just like a home, like an atmosphere. And she was like, I really enjoy what I do. Like, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy this world. And that's the one thing I took from her every time. Whenever we had to redo scenes, she would redo them. She wouldn't complain. She wasn't like a diva at all. She was, I would just be like, is everything okay? She's like, what? I'm having a blast. And I think that reshaped my entire mentality because I was afraid. When she was coming on set, I was like, oh, no, nah, she's going to be, you know, she's this big time. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm going to mess up. Maybe I'm going to be, you know, because I was new relatively. It was my first feature. I was like, damn, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, what if I'm missing some equipment and I have to go take a run and do this and do that? Like, what, what's going to happen? Like, is she going to think I'm not good enough? Everything? No, dude. The whole time she was there, she was, like, rooting me on. She she was just, I don't know, man. She was so supportive. And she really enjoyed everything. And I think, I, I'd say the one thing I learned from her is that um, no matter what in this industry, just be very genuine remain genuine and remain uh remain you i don't think she ever changed who she really was deep down i think deep down she's always been just this amazing woman even though they tried her um on family matters tried to replace her right. other lady i think it's because she she was getting oh yeah i, I I heard that, that she was getting paid less. They were giving her less screen time. And she told herself that um, she wanted to uh, quantify her worth. She actually wanted to be worthy of wherever she was. She didn't want to get roped out. And um, she said, I love them. I love what they represent. She's like, I love the time that I was there, but I feel like they were... Um, they were degrading the value that I knew that I, I could bring. And um, I, I, she obviously wasn't going to let that happen. So she she ended up moving on. And it worked out great for her. She ended up doing Proud Family and mm. a bunch of stuff. Like, nice. So she was she's, she's a staple. Everybody knows Harriet Winslow. So when I – she's never told me advice directly. But she's always been just very encouraging. She's always just been like, stay strong, stay young, and stay, stay, uh, she's like, just keep going and stay true to who you are. Like, don't ever change that. And I think, that, I think maybe that's the advice that I got from her. But it's so, it's a culmination of that. Like, every time she spoke to me, she's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so this. So I, it's like, Deep down, I think she just wants me to stay as genuine as possible, true to who I am, and have fun doing it. Have fun doing it. Like, don't, don't do this. I, I think she was deep down telling me, like, don't do this and not 
enjoy it. Like, if you don't enjoy it, then you're missing the point. Like, you're missing the whole mission. It's not to just get awards, get trophies, and get this. Like, truly love what you're doing and what you're doing it for, the purpose of what you're doing it for. So I think that was the lesson that I learned from her. Uh, through like, tidbits of advice and um, encouragement and just watching her, you know. Because her advice was very, like, you know, it's general, like, you know, keep your head up, you know, stuff like that. But deep down, I feel like that's what she was truly telling me and just watching her, you know. And she would tell me that stuff. She would tell me, like, stay strong, stay true to who you are, you know, don't ever change that for nobody. And, I mean, obviously, we know that because she was like, yo, I ain't about to let these people take my money. (laughs) Yeah, integrity. I like that. I I love that. Um, What's... What's your favorite part of the process? Is, is it writing? Is it is it is it is it acting? Is it directing? What's your favorite part of the creative process? Amen. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy all of it. I will say this: I recently enjoy. People gonna be like, "What?" I really enjoy editing, man. Mm. I know that's like the least favorite process of every. <laughs> everyone's like, why would you? You know why? Because I like to. This maybe comes from my um, my knack for like, you know, wanting to put things together or build. Like when I was younger, my mom was always like, oh, you're going to be a carpenter. No, I'm not. <laughs> I would always put stuff together. Yeah. Um, I'd always like build up desks for them and the TV, you know, obviously, you know, Haitian parents, they're not really tech savvy. So they're like, right, right, right. Son, can you come and do this for me? Cause I don't know. So I, I was, I actually enjoyed it. I actually liked putting things together and they knew it. So they took a lot of advantage of that. <laughs> and, um, and I think. When I draft up the script, I, I obviously I enjoy every aspect, but I think when I put together everything, when I see the culmination of like the music that I wanted, the music that I kept thinking about when I was writing, when I see the the, the acting, when I see everything that I like, it's like it's like you're putting together like a, a like yeah, it's like you it's like a recipe that you're putting together to to create this uh, beautiful dish. It's like when I'm finishing that dish, it's like I'm seeing it come to fruition. Like I'm finally seeing it finalized. And for some reason that just makes me, uh, like it, it just gives me like the chills. Like I'm like, oh, like. Do, do you have OCD when it comes to editing? I, I'll i say this, I, I'm very, um, When it comes to editing, I'm I'm not too much of a perfectionist, but I am that type of person who's like, um, I watch it, and then I'll be like, I like this, and then like two days, maybe two weeks later, I watch it again. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna take that part out. <laughs> Let me go back. So <laughs> it, that might be me, because I think in this film thing, man, I think you just constantly progress. It's like with this podcast, 
I'm mm. sure you're going to be thinking of new ways to do it, thinking of, oh, you know what, I could probably do this, do that. I think when it comes to filming or just anything, editing, you always want to hone your craft. You always want to like figure out better ways that you can do stuff. So I think when it comes to editing, I like to, um, I'm not a perfectionist. If my OCD is anything, it's more like, oh, I can make that better. That would be my OCD. But I I don't like to be, I don't like to be a, 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 progress in the dark type person if that makes any sense if i see something oh uh, now and i like what i did i'll put it out but then i'll be like no nah, i want to change that and I'll, I'll take it out and people probably be like what did you, what did you do and i'm like no nah, i want to make it better i i think there's always room for improvement improvement and i think that might be my ocd because i'm yeah, so, always so, like, sort, of, sort of like what you did in that that episode the gun episode exactly right exactly right. yep so my thing is always like I I can make stuff better. Like when I did fifty four seventeen with the feature with the feature, I said, oh, let me break this up into episodes. And when I broke it up into episodes, it was more digestible for people. So they ended up enjoying it even more. And so did I. I was like, man, as episodes, this is really you can take it in very well. Like everything you can take in, like piece by piece. And so. That's that's kind of like my style. Um, I really I really enjoy trying to always like better what what um, I may have done before into something greater. Um, but I do like crafting things. I, I like to craft them, and I always learn from that stuff. I always based on like you know what I did with fifty four seventeen. What's more important? Everything it's taught me now to step into other, when I step into these next projects what i what i can prepare to do now you know and it doesn't have to be like and i don't have to fix the mistakes in front of people even though i don't mind it you know why because i want people to see that i want people to see how in this in in my in my uh in my journey of film like you're walking with me like you are with me in this journey i don't i don't need you to be like oh no like we no, we don't want to see the the mistakes. We don't want to see. No, look at them because that's what it's about. No one is just good. Right. Like you have to work at being good. You have right. to work at being incredible. You have to practice and practice and practice. And oftentimes, no one ever is going to post their practices. No one's going to be like, hey, look at my practice. Or like, hey, look, I made a mistake. But me i want to change that i'm gonna be like no you're gonna see it you're gonna see it and then you're gonna see my progression as Mm -hmm. i see my progression and i think that's the best way for people to understand when it when like the people who are great like when i think about jordan all these people i'm like yo they had to practice a lot then no one ever saw that no one ever seen those those parts they never seen the struggle and I'm like, no, nah, you get you can see it with me because the next person who's coming, I want them to see that progression. Like, yo, they was like that. So it can internalize in you that, yeah, look, look at what I came from. Look at what I did and look at the mistakes. I have a whole thing where people could see my edits of where it came from, like the first steps to the to the fruition. 
and you could see everything and um yeah and i hold i and now like i back up things now for that for that reason for that very reason because i'm like oh yeah i, I kind of want people to see see things now i want them to see and like that it makes me feel bad that i don't have those videos in the past because i do want people to see that i want people to see like how it started this is what i was doing now we're going to get into your upcoming projects but um who you know because this is black man renaissance who are your favorite black male directors actors you know creators okay well first up donald glover obviously um i i really like um i i well i do i really enjoy spike lee's creativity a lot i do um one of my favorite directors is antoine fuqua i think he's great he did training day and uh, for those who aren't familiar um you know uh salt at 13th precinct he's just a he's dope he's dope him um the uh, i forget this guy's name he has a very funky name but he he did dope and he did um the wood i think he's an amazing director he's so dope um i really um i really enjoy john singleton i'm really enjoying snowfall by the way shout out to that yeah, show. Incred incredible show yeah incredible show in fact shout out to um what's his name i know i know i know his sister's name his sister's name is raquel b john he plays leon he's dope okay, isaiah yeah. john. shout out to isaiah john he's incredible he's he dope. was just I, he, he was he was he was just in the um the finale don't tell me what happened no no no, no 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 he was he also played in a movie uh oh all day and night no fred hampton yeah it, was it the fred hampton movie fred hampton movie he was the in black that messiah the black messiah he was in that that's he was dope. In that. yeah yeah that's dope oh my gosh yeah he's so dope i he's he's an incredible actor him obviously idris um and like th phenomenal. those guys phenomenal so so dope like he got he has the accent down to a t like he's he's great um so like well, see uh, you know what not to cut you off but yeah. what do you think about what do you think about the hoopla about you know british actors playing american act american characters what's the big you know what's your what's your what's your take on that um i don't know man i don't I don't want to. This is, I, I know somebody's gonna find this uh, audio and be like, "Oh, you see, look at him. He's for them. He's for them." But I, I, um, I I'm such a lover of cinema that I was watching like uh, black British films. Like, I would watch like Bullet Boy, Adulthood, yeah, um, Adulthood. You know, Top Boy. Those yeah. films. I was I was watching that before it was popular here, and so when I would see like. Ashley Walters, I'll see uh, Bashy. Bashy was Ashley. Bashy's Thomas. Ashley Thomas. He's great. Phenomenal. He's great. He's just he's in, in um, them. them. Yeah, yeah. He's in them, and a lot of people didn't know about him. And I was like, "Yo, he's been doing it. Like, yeah. he's dope. He's always been dope." Um, 
Ashley Thomas, um, obviously, come on, man. Daniel Kaluuya, dude, come on. He who played Fred Hampton. Right. He's always been dope. Even before Get Out, I was watching him on um, in Black Mirror, Skins. No, he wrote for Skins. Michaela Cole is another one. She's always been dope. Yeah, she's dope. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, these these characters, you know, they uh, these characters, these people, British, black British, they come and they're just they, they're they're very gifted at what they do. Um, it just Elba, another person. And he's um, the person who plays uh, opposite Idris Elba in The Wire. Wood Harris said it best. Right. They asked Wood Harris, why do you think uh, British actors, young black British actors, when they come, they're, they're so good at what they do. They know how to do the, the, the American accent. They're just dope. He goes, there's an inferiority complex with Americans. That's why. They're like, break it down. He goes, when you think about black British, they're so close to Africa and the motherland that their identity issues are scarce because they know what they are. They understand their superiority. They understand their royalty. They understand their culture. It's clear that they're, they're not slaves. They understand their abilities. They understand what they can do. The issues with America is that we've already been subjected to inferiority. So we're not often told, hey, you can do a British accent if you wanted to. You could do this if you wanted to. So we're only uh, kind of like pigeonholed uh, boxed in into doing American roles. Whereas right. somebody, you know, a black British actor, actress, they're like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Because over there, there is no margin. Like where, where you're marginalized and told like, hey, look, stick to this. There's no typecasting when it comes up to over there. Because over there, they're like, oh, yeah, I can reach out for the stars. I can do these things. I'm not saying that may not be happening in, in London or UK specifically. But a lot of those actors themselves say they have to branch out and go to America in order to get roles, too. So right. and because they don't get them in um, the UK. And so I think with that, I feel I still feel like we're represented by them heavily. Um, I think they're dope. I like Cynthia Erivo. I know a lot of people don't like her because she did the Harriet um, biopic and everything like that. And she's black British. And I'm like, well, I mean, if they could do the job, you know, you can't be upset at them. It's it's like you you got to pick the best person for the job. Right. And that's, that's just the truth of the matter. Who is rightfully um, really bringing out the best out of this character? And if it, happens, it just so happens to be a black British actor, why would you like diminish your your, your brother from just another island, mm, right? right? So it's like mm. those people still represent us. If right. not, they represent us in the best way. You know why? Because they have no inferiority complex. Right. And they can show us something that we ourselves can tap into. So I think, I think that's the beauty of I think I I personally think it's a good thing if we look at it in the positive spectrum. I know a lot of people are like nah, but you know we Americans, but I I understand it. I get it. It's a very it's pride. Like yo, 
we was born here like yo it's us i totally understand that but no yo we got some heavy hitters man and we rest in peace chad with bozeman yeah phenomenal phenomenal incredible one of the best actors and so i'm like yo we got people if we want to show and prove we have the opportunity to so let's do it let's do it if you guys really truly believe believe that you deserve that role kill that audition kill it kill it or create something of your own like what nate um parker is doing Mm -hmm. i'm like yo we need to show and prove destroy that inferiority complex and show hey we got this we can do this so shout out to everyone who is doing stuff like that so shout out to spike uh shout out to these other directors shout out to ryan kugler everybody who's really showing like hey we can do that too we we can we can um tap into our royalty tap into our abilities our big abilities and bring it and they're doing it and i like that so i think when people are saying like oh these british actors are coming and they're doing all this i think they're also by doing that you're not also you're not looking at the american um actors and filmmakers and producers who are doing something with that why not champion that and instead of bashing that i was like yo we got stuff out here too that's big, that's popping okay you know what all right so let's do this let me let me get my clock ready stop watching so in 30 seconds tell me one actor you'd like to meet and why 36 starting now Daniel Kaluuya. Why? Okay. Because I I just I just want to pick his brain, man, and understand like how he taps into certain certain like uh aspects of like how he brings about the life of these characters. I and also because I want to do his whole entire monologue on on Black Mirror in front of him and see what he thinks. Boom, 30 seconds. Reset. So, one director you can sit down with right now or work with right now, and why? Nate Parker, because he's fearless. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that was he's good, fearless. man. That was like yeah. th- t- 12 seconds. Yeah. Um, any hmm let's see if you could sit down with spike lee right now for like let's say lunch or brunch what would you say to him 30 seconds i'd be like can uh can i use your uh dolly track shot for one of my films <laughs> <laughs> you're an inspiration to me bro yeah mm. i it, yeah there's so Still much i would want to say though like <laughs> I, I would be so like i'll be like damn i have spikers in front of me man oh my gosh there's so many things i would say mm. there's so many things i would say i'm so uh, spike is very inspiring Mm. he's just dope he's dope man so um what do you have coming up what's what's next 
Um, okay. So, all right. Currently, I have Peace out. Um, it's a one-shot film, one-take, single-take film. Um, and uh, it's going through the festival circuit right now. Uh, I have that. What's more important, season two coming. And it's going to be very crazy. It's going to be very dark. Is that currently very- in production or in post-production? Right now, right now it's in development. Okay. So it's about to be in pre-production this summer, and um, and we, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, get it into production full-fledged during this whole entire summer and drop it um, either fall or winter, but not, not, not after this year. It's going to be before the end of this year. So you guys will see that. So it might drop during December. Because I, oh. I, I, de- I definitely want to see Arnold Hay. Yeah, Arnold Hay. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's what's up. Um, I, uh, and so I, I have that. Um, I do want Peace to be a feature film, so I, I, I plan on doing that, hopefully, the top of next year. The other films that are going to be dropping um, that I'm trying to do are Eyes and Hearts with No Name, um a film called 14 minutes and a film called love all delete and in the midst of that i'm probably going to do one small little project um that i'm probably going to drop like online but those that's what i got coming up and obviously um what's more important season two that's going to be the big one because it's like uh, some people are anticipating that and it's been a while so i know a lot of people are waiting yeah and so yeah yeah that's the that's the one you know and um i can't wait to drop it it's gonna it's gonna be a very reflective season it's gonna change everything everything is gonna be flipped over its head like crazy um yeah a lot of things are gonna be unexpected you guys are gonna be like what just happened so it's gonna be great man it's gonna be and it they grow up fast like Mm -hmm. it gets real Really real fast. And um yeah, in a feature film. Hopefully I could do another feature. Trying to do two features. But yeah, those three films, Love Alt Delete, Eisenhart's with No Name, uh 14 Minutes. Oh, and a movie called Boy with Angel Wings. I'm sorry, shooting in Atlanta. With with Raquel B. John. Okay. Isaiah John's sister. So that's gonna be amazing. And I'm I'm trying to get Terrell, Terrell, uh, I forget his last name, Terrell Hill. He's on um, Cobra Kai. Okay. Trying to get him on there too, man. So shout out to those guys. Respect and love to them. And yeah, and shout out to Bobby Huntley and Moon Ferguson and all these people like dope. So so, yeah. so you're, you're currently on your journey, right? So, but when it's all said and done, and we're looking at the future now. How do you want your legacy to be defined? Oh man, that's a really, really good question. You know, before, and I have to answer this question like this: Before, I wanted to be like this guy who got like a bunch of, you know, Oscars and this, and like you know, be like Kanye at the Grammys type stuff. But as I got older, um, I wanted to. I want to be a lot more like 
I guess I guess you could say a black Spielberg or like a, like a mixture of like a black Spielberg and a and a Walt Disney. Like I want to be able to not only be not not just big like just to be big but like very influential. Like when people talk about my films, I want them to be able to say like yo like cuz the way people talk about like Jurassic Park and ET, it's kind of like you you throw that in like like class courses like it you know they break it down they're like yo this this like i would like to be in a master class like with like my films i would like for people to be like yo i'm studying his films like francy films like like that i want it to be on that level and then i want to even heighten it further where i can make films that can end up being in theme parks and being like these full-fledged experiences where people could go in or like ride like a simulation ride and be in the movie i want that that's what i want to create i want people to get that same experience i got when i was in third grade that's what i want people to have i want just that's look at that such a film director i'm doing a callback i want people to to have the same feeling where when i first saw the mummy i was like whoa that whole experience that's what i want to create i want to create it for little kids i want to create it for teenagers adults everybody and that's and so i'm seeing like just i was uh, when i got disney plus i would watch like imagineer and all that stuff and i just saw how he like designed it and i was like just inspired because i was like that that's what i want to do you know i i want that's how i want to be defined i want somebody to give people an experience fully like not just film but i want to immerse film into a whole experience a whole experience and i want people to understand that's how that's how i want to be defined somebody who gives people experiences and through the experiences we get lessons taught lessons of life love and connection human connection that's like a big thing for me so that's that's why i want to be almost like a almost like a a a film philosopher too okay yeah i'm very big on philosophers i love philosophers aristotle frederick niche all that you know so that's what i want to do i want to be a film philosopher like a philosopher in my own right but like i do films right i want people to quote me and stuff and at the same time i want like that walt disney effect i would love to create a big old theme park where it's just a bunch of films and people are just <laughs> that's that's my vibe bro i would love to do that that's how i want to be defined all right um as a haitian american um are you are you going to dive more into that in your work big time Mm -hmm. big 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 time Mm -hmm. big time if not more more the language everything everything 
I want to do a three-part film. Like, you know how they do Lord of the Rings and all that? I want to do a three-part film where it's Hades past, 1804, the big migration, and then the 1990s, mm. going into the 2000s. That's like my plan. I want to do that. I want it to be huge. I'm, I'm not playing. That's what I want to do. Mm. I want it to be like a Marvel movie, like a Marvel film. That's how big, and I want it to be so Haitian out. I don't care. I want people to like how uh, Black Panther, everybody was wearing dashikis. Mm. I want all Haitians to come out with everything. You can wear church shoes. I don't care. Anything <laughs> with the shoppers with the shoppers, yeah. That. I want everyone to be so proud of being Haitian because you gotta remember when I was growing up, I I was in a it, it was a crossroads, right? Um, I because because you know Haitian American, you know if you're Haitian American, uh, you know some of the Haitians be like you're not Haitian enough. Right. You know, Americans are like, you Haitian. Right. So you're like stuck in this gray area, right? Right. And so you're trying to find your identity. You're trying to be like, Whoa. so that's how it was, you know? And deep down, I always was like, but I'm Haitian. I'm Haitian. Mm -hmm. I'm Haitian. But then, why are you Haitian? And they would like throw dirt on the name, mm -hmm. the culture. And I want to dispel all that. I want to denounce all that all that nonsense that was being spewed that hate all that and i want to show the beauty the the integrity the everything that is incredible about haiti about haitians everything every single thing i think we're the funniest people in the world period you cannot tell me you could sit in a, a domino table with haitians and not laugh at some point you're you're lying to me. I love Haitians, like, period. I could sit next to my mom and listen to her talk all day, and laugh because she's ridiculous. <laughs> she's funny. She's lying sometimes. Yeah. She cracks me up, but she's the her soul and her spirit is is so different. Like Haitians have a different type of soul and spirit that I I don't think other people really. Um, really know about and it hasn't been tapped into at all in hollywood whatever at least not authentically at all at all mm -hmm. at all so me i'm diving in deep bro pause but i'm going in i'm about to go so inside the the evolution of of, of haitians the story the colon colonizations that 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 happened to us, everything from the Taino story down, like the historical aspects, all that, all that. I'm going in for Haitians. Oh hell yeah, oh hell yeah. My peoples, yes. In entirely. Knew what's more important? I'm actually doing the episode where I go into my my dad's past of how he got to America. And it's it's patient out, but it's like beautiful. It's a very beautiful story. Uh, his story is very crazy, and yeah, man, 
and it's and I'm proud. I'm so proud of my 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 culture, my peoples, everything. So yeah, this H Haiti, Haitians, my Haitian heritage culture is gonna be a big part of everything that I do. Everything. Every single thing. Yep. You gotta respect the theme that. Part, probably gonna be red and blue. And blue. With the Union La Force. Yeah. I don't care, man. I, it's, that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, where can people find you? People can find me mm. Instagram at Frank C Moreau, F R A N T Z Y M O R E A U. I think that's that's the name right there, right? That's the name. Uh, they're gonna see that. Um. Yeah. They'll they'll see it. Okay. If they do, <laughs> that's how it's that's how it's spelled. So it, it's not confusing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. Yep. So at Francie Moreau, YouTube. You can find me on youtube.com slash all that juice. So all that juice. All A L L that T H A T juice. J U I C E. So you can find me in the all no space all together. Um, all that juice. Um, you can find what's more important on there. You can find 5417 on there and other short film projects you can watch and check out and enjoy and look and look forward to uh, and just subscribe because there's some new stuff that's going to be on there. It's going to be crazy, amazing, dope. Follow me on Instagram. That's why I'm going to drop some uh, new material on there too. I'm revamping my whole entire Instagram so it to be a new. I'm doing a fresh take on it. Kind of like what Joey Badass was doing with his. So I'm, I'm kind of reinventing my whole thing. And um, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Follow at Peace Movie on Instagram as well. So you could uh, keep, you know, just keep in touch with that, that whole entire how we're going to move with the festival circuits and everything. And um, yeah, man. And, and at what's more important. Yeah, how could I forget? At what's more important Instagram. At what's more important. That's that's all you need to put. What's more important? What's what's without the apostrophe? W A H A T S I M P O R T A N T. I hopefully I didn't misspell anything. I was not good at spelling B at all. So, <laughs> um, they got it. They got it. I'll, I'll it'll it'll definitely be in the uh, description. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you guys follow me on that, and I appreciate you guys. Ultimately. You already know. And my man right here, Steve Noel, incredible. Thank you for having me, my dude. You're an amazing person. I'm honored. I'm very honored. Honored, honored, honored. And I know I spoke a lot, uh, but it's because you, you got me hyped. You asked some incredible questions. and yeah. Of course, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to Let. Man, what a sauce.